When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the Girls and Boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Covering Nebraska football and recruiting for 24-7 sports. Here is Mike J. Schaefer. Yeah, that's a grown-ass man right there. Mike Schaefer. I don't know. There could be bacon involved. Mike Schaefer. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Brian Edwards, for me. Here is Mike Schaefer. When you look at us, a lot of statistics are similar on offense and on defense. Um, but they only have 12 turnovers in Big Ten play. So they've, they've protected the ball better than we have over the course of the year. But uh, great players. Across the board, great scheme, uh, really physical, stop the run, force you into bad decisions, and, and then eventually make a play. And like, they're so comfortable in a, in a 7 3 game. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're so comfortable in a 10 9 game. Like, their heart rate doesn't go up, and they've been doing it for a long time. They're kind of built that way, and our guys are getting used to it. You know, the last couple games have been like that for us. They've been doing that a long time. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are on AM590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. And joining us now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline is our guy, Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Schaefer, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? What's up, Schaefer? Not, uh, you know, just coming off of one of the, the more um, – crushing NFL runs. I think everything I was tied to, whether it was my team and the Vikings, gambling, fantasy, <laughs> uh, pools, whatever it was, just absolutely annihilated like half a dozen games in which the result or whatever I need, the team is up double digits at some point in the game only to lose, uh, you know, so it's just not not great over here, actually. Shafe, I was I was actually thrilled with your Vikings result on Sunday because I had them plus two and a half. Hmm. So I was I was actually very pleased with how that went. Well, you know, with the, the plus two and a half, they could also have just you know won twenty to fifteen. Yep, I, that's it's, what I'm thinking here too, Shafe. It's true, <laughs> uh, but like for... the Bears were plus five <laughs> or five and a half or whatever they oh, were plus you're, seven and a half. You're Bears, wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you knew that. Look, I, I'm wearing it. All time, we're 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 definitely not tanking, but we definitely weren't going to try to win that game. Yeah, what? Those three play calls yeah, when e- they got the ball back. Man, Eberflus I mean, needs to go. Be joining Matt Canada on the other <laughs> yeah, side of it, and you know what? Let's add in Luke Getze. Let's add in Matt Eberflus. Let's just give them all. Uh, yeah, we will blame Canada. You might have to. Uh, you might just have to clean house over there. Uh, so, so are you out on the on the Josh Dobbs experience, or you? What's what's going on there? Uh, no, not not out on it. I mean, like this is this is what you're gonna get, right? Like he's. He's a highly uh, mobile quarterback that's 
not the most skilled passer and has ball uh, ball security issues. I mean, he had fumble problems in Arizona before he got to to Minnesota. His first game with the with the the Falcons, first game with the Vikings, but against the Falcons, I mean, he had a couple horrible fumbles right off the bat. So it's not it's not like super surprising. It's just annoying to see Alexander Madison fumble when you're up seventeen to nine in field goal position, driving, running the ball for like eight yards a pop, and then he just coughs it up on a play that uh, he probably shouldn't have. I mean, Minnesota's defense couldn't get off the field. No one was quite able to figure out. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Couldn't get off the field at the end of the game. You make Russell Wilson go 75 yards to beat you. Like, he probably shouldn't be able to go 75 yards by dinking and dunking to uh, to, to Pirine. So, it's just a uh, an annoying loss. But it didn't ultimately matter. Like, Minnesota's still very, very good spot. Uh, they still have an incredibly – light schedule ahead of them um watching the bears and the lions like it's it just feels like the lions are just holding off revealing who they actually are <laughs> i was asking people if they are like the the nfc dolphins where it's a, a cool fun story but you don't have to take it that serious because in the end they're really not a threat to anybody that matters um so Fair. i like it is tough for me to take that Lions team serious. By the way, shouldn't Aiden Hutchinson be more of a, a four? I obviously mm-hmm. had the big play at the end. Isn't that just like his fourth sack of the season or something? Like it's yeah, he you needs would to expect a little bit more out of that. Guy. He needs to be more Max Crosby, Nick Bosa. Oh, so like, he yeah. needs he needs to elevate TJ Watt, like elevate to that level for he's, sure. He's no Bosa. That's all we know. <laughs> he's no Daniil Hunter. That's what we know as well. Shave. Well, I mean, spe- a few people are. That guy's a stud. Shave. Speaking of quarterbacks that weren't starting for. Uh, your team this year. Uh, let's move over to Nebraska and talk a little bit about Chubba Purdy, who Matt Rule uh, called a spark yesterday in his press conference. And, and you know, frankly, uh, maybe the best uh, we've seen all year from a Nebraska quarterback that play, uh, or at least his play last weekend. What did the team's third stringer, and I'm going to emphasize third stringer when I say this, uh, do that brought that much needed spark? Um, or, or do you think, uh, not not really, or do you think, and do you think, even if Harburg is, say, 100% healthy this week, it should be Chubba's job? You know, this might not have the popularity of the Eras Tour, but this week I feel like I'm going on the, okay, I was completely wrong here tour <laughs> as it's related to Chubba Purdy and what I anticipate he would be able to give Nebraska against Wisconsin. I didn't think they were going to score a touchdown in this game. I really didn't. <laughs> uh, you know, I, like, the Chubba experience was pretty bad last year. The behind the scenes of it didn't sound particularly great. I did not have a lot of confidence in, in Nebraska being able to move the ball. And so then, of course, on the first drive, he's somehow outrunning the entire Wisconsin defense. Like, it, and then same with Jalen Lloyd on the next touchdown. And then you're just thinking, like, I mean, one, Wisconsin's throwing the towel. And two, they don't have any athletes on the back end. Nebraska should have at least two more of these long touchdowns in them. Uh, with the way that game started. Of course, they didn't, you know, they lose. But I, it wasn't because of Chubba. I mean, he played pretty well. He – and obviously, like, I mean, it's all tempered, right? Like, it's not like expectations were really high. But he came in, he threw catchable balls. He was able to move the offense. I thought that drive before half to set up the field goal, uh, they hit a couple pass plays, one of them to Malachi Coleman in the middle. There was some nice uh, nice moments in there for, for Chubba. I mean, definitely had everything going for the redemption arc. Uh, they just couldn't finish in overtime, which he's far from the first quarterback uh, to be handed the, you know, the loss in, in overtime without able to put up a point. So he shouldn't, you know, he can join his 
his friends and Adrian Martinez and, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone else that, that has unfortunately fallen in that category. Tanner Lee. Uh, let's see. Who else are we? Tommy Armstrong, I think, has been part of this. Too. I say he was on the front uh, end, so, I think. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just like it's it's quarterbacks that haven't been particularly good. It's just Nebraska. It doesn't matter the situation. <laughs> They're just not scoring in overtime. Uh, Shafe, was there a part of you when, okay, you see Chubba Purdy house call one immediately. You see Jalen Lloyd do it on the next drive. Was there a part of you at that point where you're like, oh, Nebraska might beat the crap out of them? Yeah, uh, but here's this. be what Maybe fourth time. I didn't look this up, but I was thinking about it. Third or fourth time, they've had a double-digit lead against Wisconsin and then failed to put them away. Like, they, they this isn't unusual for Nebraska – uh, at this point, I know, and and one of the most famous Bopolini games of all time, where Melvin Gordon runs for 400 plus yards, uh, Nebraska was up 17 to three in that game. So, <laughs> you know, like they're up 17 to three, and you gave up the rushing record at the time. Hard to when do. Pretty shattered by the running back I mentioned earlier in this game for being, you know, the the checkdown recipient of Russell Wilson's big day on Sunday night. So um, everything comes full circle. It, it was, uh, you know, it it felt like it was there for just sort of this cathartic, like, get it all out there, kind of like Iowa last year. You know, like you hit on it, some of those big plays, and then you just felt good about Nebraska's defense throughout, um, and it just it didn't work that way. I mean, a couple of bugaboos, and then ultimately what has been a killer in this month of November and really kind of a quietly has derailed a lot of the season, the special teams. Yeah, I mean, whether we, we want to talk about missing the field goal right before half, whether we want to talk about the, the punt, you know, coverage unit giving up, I think, 30-ish yards of field position in a game which ends up in overtime, whether we want to talk about the fact Brian Buschini has six total kicks this year of 50 yards or more after doing it, uh, I think, 16 times last year. Um, so there's there's a lot of concern there, and it's – it's cost Nebraska games, not a game, multiple games with their, their inability to manage field position, inability to flip a field, inability to pin an opponent deep, uh, all of these different things. And then that's to say nothing of the absolute lack of spark this team has had on kick returns or punt returns since today Ramirez Johnson has basically, you know, had the, the shoulder injury. So special teams have been really, really rough for Nebraska in 2023. I mean, if you want something that should be a silver lining uh, heading into to 2024, in theory, you're changing out a lot of key components. I know they're recruiting some specialists like kick returner, punt returner type players. Uh, so they're, they're obviously attempting to address this. But, man, it is frustrating when you look up and you realize in a conference that sort of, you know, writes an I love you card every year to punting. <laughs> this laissez-faire 25-yard punts have destroyed your season. I mean, And it's, it's really rough because Brian Buschini was the guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. he came in and he stabilized it for one year. This isn't new. Nebraska struggled with punting for a while. And then I don't know what happened, but from the Minnesota game on, it's just been this kind of, like, decline – to the point where, you know, reporters are talking about him punting at half or before games, and it's, you know, there's less pressure in those situations, and it's still pretty erratic. Like, it's, they can't count on him. That's hard. You know, like, it's, I'm not saying that Timmy Bleak Road needs to go in, but he's got one career punt for 51 yards, 
At this point, I'm intrigued. We've just seen what, <laughs> what Chubba Purdy can do. Why not just find everybody's backup mm-hmm. in, in the season of backups, you know? It's kind of a weird, like, who was it? Was it Connor Culp that was the kicker that was really, yeah. really good and then totally, like, the wheels fell off the next year? It's yeah. almost the punting version of that with uh, with Bushini here. I I mean, I don't know enough about kicking and specialists to have any idea what may have happened, but I just, I do think you have to kind of, I mean, don't you kind of have to explore other options at this point? I, look, I think you're beyond, like, you have one game left. Like, I don't, I, maybe you, you tried out Timmy Bleak Road to do it, but my guess is, given that it's senior day. Probably and not. this coaching staff has been really, really um, fluid in allowing guys to kind of play through their issues. Uh, I, I don't see them making any change for, for Friday, but... Like this, this is, you know, <laughs> the most on-brand analysis you're going to find, right? On Friday, you are going to watch a team whose punting has derailed or hurt them most of the season versus a team who emphasized <laughs> punting so much that they punt more than anyone in the conference, yep. and they're the best at doing it. <laughs> They've weaponized their punt. Nebraska is looking into what it would want to be, and they are nowhere close. It, it's like, you know... Uh, this this sort of idea where you you want the third phase to matter. Well, you're facing the team that ultimately dominates the third phase, and for you, it's been a disaster mm-hmm. in November, like a total disaster. Every game has had some sort of huge special teams flaw in it that has cost you something, and you've lost these games by a total of you know what uh, thirteen points. Across three games, I mean, three one-score losses in the month of November to three reeling teams, and your special teams hasn't been able to pick you up like it is. They are in a dangerous territory on Saturday or Friday because that is an edge that Iowa takes advantage of all the time Mm -hmm. and will do so happily in the stadium on Friday. Shafe's got me thinking. I I posted or reposted the video of the Iowa mascot shooting the hot dog at yeah. the cannon yesterday, and I, I made fun of Deacon Hill's pass. I think it actually fits more with Brian Bushini's It might punts. be a Bushini punt. Just. <laughs> I, I'm embarrassed at how hard I laughed at that. <laughs> because, like, when it got sent to me and the caption basically, you know, I was like, oh, man, someone's just sitting in, like, the front row. And I thought know, somebody was going to get annihilated. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there it's like homer simpson with the hans moleman you know football in the groin video yeah i think i'm gonna watch someone just take a hot dog shot to the face and then it just comes out and it just it just just flops it's just just, from the mascot to the other and you could tell laughing just thinking about you could tell the mascot like you could see through his mascot head there felt looking over at like his his team member like are you kidding me like he looked like mahomes looking at valdez scantling like are you serious right now yeah, definitely needed that touchdown, too. Um, <laughs> all right, Chafe, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this on uh, right after the game, Ravi and I uh, doing the post-game spread on, on Herd at Sports, and uh, we, we mentioned how uh, there, was, there was just a, a lack of finding offensive tempo after those first two scores. It's almost as though Satterfield went away from what was working. And my question to you is this. How much self-evaluation – and in soul searching, do you think Satterfield needs to do to understand that he's really been missing the mark with offensive tempo? Because it does seem like every time something is working, he changes up the scheme instead of bruising up a defense with what's working. 
Yeah, you know, I, I definitely think there's a lot of self-scouting that goes into it. But so much of it will be done in the vein of, like, this was your first run of going through the Big Ten. What did we learn about the looks that we're going to get? What worked in regards to sort of the Big Ten defenses we expect to see most of the time? What worked personnel-wise for what we are anticipating we're going to come back? I don't know it will be as reflective as what, you know, people might particularly want. And obviously people want a lot more than just – reflectiveness from their offensive coordinator right now but i i continue to be in this weird spot where i don't feel like marcus satterfield has done a particularly good job but i also look at like the situation that he's in and it's hard for me to 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 really sometimes understand like everyone just wants nebraska to be this 80 percent run the ball team when the two biggest plays they hit on saturday were in the passing game Shove a birdie scramble mm-hmm. and the Jalen Lloyd touchdown pass. Like they they need those plays because they cannot line it up and run the football at people. They cannot do that consistently. And a lot of it they can't do because there's about nine guys in the box, almost, you know, 70% of your possession. So they have to be able to, to throw the football. Like where I run into my biggest questions of Satterfield is often timing of certain plays. Mm-hmm. Like the first down and overtime with the option for a quarterback that hasn't gotten that many reps this year and looked completely uncomfortable doing it just felt like uh you know we're gonna you know too cute by half i guess we're gonna catch him completely off guard here with this play and it didn't work same with the jalen lloyd thing where i can understand the idea Mm -hmm. but it's also just like if this doesn't work we have learned this offense has to be on schedule almost to the max in order to survive, it more than anyone cannot afford an eight-yard loss on the first play of a drive. Like, if it's second and, you know, nine, and you're trying to dial up something unique, then I think I can understand a little bit more. First ten, let's just stay on schedule. Like, so there's certain things in there that I, I definitely take issue with. Overall, I think a lot of it is really hard to call an offense where you haven't had that many reps with the quarterback. He probably doesn't have the full playbook of use to him because of the lack of those reps and he has a different skill set than the guy in before him and the guy had before that i mean it, if you think about it chubba purdy jeff sims and heinrich harburg are three wildly different quarterbacks and nebraska's had to play an offense for all three of them for at least one full game Shafe, uh, I want to flip over to the other side of the ball. We're talking with Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. You mentioned we're talking about Satterfield. Let's talk about Tony White, uh, the defensive coordinator. Uh, Rule talked about yesterday how he's, you know, fielded some at least a call from a search firm and kind of was advocating for his guy to get that job. What level of, I guess, concern do you have about Tony White being here next year or not? Um, if, if it was like on a scale of 10, I'm probably at a four, I think right now, Okay, which is maybe lower than where other people might be. But I look at it like this. I don't think he's going to go back to Syracuse. I think that, you know, there was an attempt to get out of that situation for a reason, um, to take, you know, what a lot of people would have viewed as a lateral job to a degree. Obviously you're going to make a lot more money. So there's nothing lateral about the contract he got from Nebraska, mm-hmm. but he's still a defensive coordinator for sort of a team that in recent history is, you know, kind of a shoulder shrug. So um, there's a reason he came to Nebraska to from Syracuse. So I'm less concerned about that opening. And then you look at the San Diego State situation, and it is 
uh, a job that he has a lot of love for. It's where he grew up as a coach. He held a lot of positions over there. I mean, recruiting coordinator, working all the way up to, I believe he, he was calling defensive plays mm -hmm. at, at one point, you know, in his career before moving on to Arizona State. Uh, that's actually where I met Tony White when he was out there at San Diego State and we were both at an Augustus Hawkins game watching uh, names like Joseph Smith and uh or joseph lewis excuse me and and other fabled nebraska recruits of yesteryear <laughs> um so it uh he's he's just one of those guys that i think being out there on the west coast is going to be super appealing but i think it's got a, the job has to make sense i would actually have more concern though i don't think they have the money to be able to, to do this if they went heavily if ucla's next coach went heavily at tony white knowing what he did in the big 10 and knowing that UCLA is transitioning to the Big Ten, and that's his alma mater. You know, that's a school that I could see. But I, I also don't know that it makes sense for him to make that move right now either because of the way that he has things kind of set up with Nebraska too. But then you look at it, Nebraska's schedule gets a lot harder next year. So is now the time to jump? I thought the conversation that Matt Rule had in the front of that room was one of the more interesting looks we've ever had from a head coach about this process. And I, I truly do appreciate that. I mean, it has been a weird season. You've been up and down in terms of trust of, of what you think Matt of Matt Rule. But it, it seems like they have a coach that genuinely thinks about everything, that thinks about his staff, that cares at a high level. And I think that is rewarded by loyalty and, and great effort and everything else. And it was just a really unique look. I, I appreciated being able to kind of see behind the curtain in that sort of situation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I was applauding him for, for the stuff that he was saying, not just about Tony White, but just about, you, you mentioned it, like with, with, with spending. And, and he kind of played dad in that moment of like, hey, make sure you're making the right decision before you take this job and move across the state or before you go to school at, at this university, right? Like it, it seemed like a very dad-like moment, but that's at least how Coach Rule acts with, the, with this team and this staff is like he kind of oversees everything and is willing to take the blame on everything, even if it doesn't apply to him. Yeah, you know, I was thinking in my head of my dad looking at me and wondering if I knew what media people actually made in local markets. <laughs> yeah. I was 18 years old. Didn't quite follow up on that one. It's all right. My dad still asked me why I took the check I did when I yeah. got into it, Shafe. <laughs> um, okay, let's, uh, let's get you out of here on this, Shafe. About two minutes left. Uh, Iowa, Nebraska, officially the lowest all-time total in FBS history at 26 and a half. <laughs> If you're, you got to be proud, right? Yeah, yeah, like you, you know, that's a win. You just have to look at this and just own the hell out of it. You have a team uh, across, the, across the way that, you know, fans around here have mocked routinely for their offense, and yet where does Nebraska find itself? When you separate the Quinn uh, Newsom uh, return for a touchdown and you look at the total points scored, and they're really dangerously close right there with Iowa. So, uh, you know, they're right there, I think, averaging in Big Ten play right around 13 points a game. So that's that's the number. I mean, I, I'm proud of everyone involved. Uh, I don't know what Friday is going to look like. I suspect a lot of punts. I weirdly feel like it's going to be a little anticlimactic for Iowa. So it sort of works in Nebraska's favor, I think, in that regard. Like, I don't know if, if Iowa still had to punch its ticket to mm -hmm. the Big Ten sure. title game. Yeah. I think you're going to get a much stronger punch. Not that they aren't going to come out and play well, because I think they will do that too. Uh, but I, it's a different sort of feel to that game. Not that they're going to give it away, but uh, there it, it might have helped Nebraska to a degree that this has already been wrapped up for them. 
Right. Now, it, you know, what won't help Nebraska is their inability to stay out of their own way. So they, they've still got that. And they can be <laughs> hey, five straight unders in a row for Iowa. Five hammering that 26 and a half under. I'm going to drive love consistency around here. I'm going to drive that thing to 24 if I can. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm buying I'm buying down. I'm going to 21. I'm going to try to get plus money on this thing. Uh, Shape, we appreciate it as always. Have a happy Thanksgiving and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, you guys have a great week. That's our guy, Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Great stuff there from Schaefer. Coming up next, we've got a little Herdat hot seat here on Herdat Sports Radio.